yeah, he, he lights a camel cigarette, so it's kind of quite <laughs> quiet, and uh, that's it, everybody just <clears throat> runs off. But kind of the other unique thing about it, normally before a race, there's, and I think this is really refreshing, I think this this kind of some sort of a safety briefing, or like a, a weather briefing. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, races have mandatory kit lists, or suggested kit lists, yeah. or some kind of information as to what you need or what you should bring. There's nothing with the Barclay. You don't, have, you don't get any information what to bring. There's no minimum kit to go on your head bait. Yeah, I think he says it that as he stands at the gate, he says something like, you know, be careful, it could be dangerous out there. And that's your briefing. <laughs> that, my friend, was Billy Reed. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, how's it going? My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. We have a great episode for you this week. Billy Reid from Ballyclare, County Antrim, talks us through his experience of the Barclay 100, which is arguably the hardest 100-mile ultra event in the world with only 15 finishers since its creation in 1986. The Barclay course was designed by the infamous Lazarus Lake, who also created Big's Backyard Ultra, known locally as the last one standing. Laz was inspired upon hearing about the 1977 escape of James Earl Ray, who was the assassin of Martin Luther King Jr. from the nearby Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. Ray covered only 8 miles after running 55 hours in the woods and Laz, who was a great runner in his time, said he could have done at least 100 miles. And so, the Barclay Marathon was born. Billy and I had to record this episode twice due to noise pollution from the first recording, so thank you Billy for taking the time to do it again. I've added some of the original conversation to the end of the episode, so if you're interested in hearing some of Billy's other exploits, just keep on listening when the podcast is finished. It's a difficult enough podcast as you can't really give too much away about the race, so all things considering, I think we've done a good job on bringing the enormity of the race to the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. Billy will always carry great memories of a special race and hopefully it will inspire someone else from Ireland to take on the challenge. Before we start, this episode is sponsored by Don Hannan from Raw Ultra and the Dublin Mountain Marathon which is being held on the 11th of May. There is a half and full option. I've taken a look at the course and it's going to be epic so if you fancy joining me why not check out the Raw Ultra website or Facebook page for further details. With great pleasure I give you Billy Reid. So the Barclay Marathons, um, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about it for those that don't know. So the Barclay Marathons, it's a 100-mile race with a 67,000 feet of climb in total. Uh, and the race is basically five loops. So it's five loops mm. of uh, 20 miles. That, that, that really, really surprises me, by the way. I, like, I've known about the Barclay and I've known how treacherous the course is. I didn't know about the elevation in that. Because when you think 66,000 feet, like that's over two Everests. Yes, well, that's the feature of the, of the race. It's, <coughs> it's, the, it's the climb that, that yeah. makes it so difficult to climb and the terrain and the fact that there's navigation required uh, as, as well, certainly for what they call Barclay Virgins, people who are there for the very first time. There's a navigational element. You have to know how to get to the yeah. find the books that are stashed around the course to prove that you've actually done the course. So, what elevation is that per loop? So, 
the distance and the elevation is kind of approximate. Mm. Uh, it's not actually that accurate. The Barclay 100, as they call it, has uh, been 100 miles for the last uh, 33 years, but it's, it's, it's not actually uh, 100 miles. It's, it's, you know, people say it's 26 miles per loop, yeah. so it's 130 <clears> miles <throat> in total. And it's something similar for elevation. It's not 67,000 feet. It's a little bit more than that. That's, that's horrendous. Like, so it's about 14,000 feet uh, a loop. Like that's mad. Like, so when you, if you think the likes of Donard, so people can relate to that, it's like 2,700 feet, I think, Donard is around about that. Yeah. So it's like five Donards per loop. Yeah, yeah. If you want to look at it that way. And Donard's a nice clean trail. Yeah. Whereas um, the Barclay is more... Yeah, there's a whole mixture of different things in the Barclay. Some of it, there's some nice little, what, what Laz would call candy-ass trail, and that's a nice little single runnable track. There's not an awful lot of that. I, it, it tends to be basically just straight up a hill and straight down the other side and straight up the next hill. I, and Some of them are nice and clean to run up. It's a deciduous forest, so there are lots of leaves in the ground, and so that can be quite pleasant. Uh, but there are also some quite rocky bits and fallen trees and mm. uh, briars. Your orienteering is bound to really help that, though. Now, I, I have to say, I'm a bit ashamed to say this, like, but for Wicklow <laughs> Way, um, so we, I got the map on the way down. I was sitting in the hotel room the night before, and I was struggling to find a start. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a real simple one. Um, I actually went onto the trackers to, so I could see where everybody was going and then okay. sort of reflect it to the map. Uh-huh. Um, but I did find after the hour, like this should have taken me 10 minutes to the Wicklow Way, you know. Right. It's a real simple one. Um, uh-huh. And I was marking out the map just so I knew the course. Uh-huh. Now, I was cheating because I had my Garmin uploaded so it had the course on my Garmin 935. Right, okay. And it actually works like a TomTom. Right, okay. So, you, you know, if you, if you go past a turn-off, your watch starts buzzing like buzzing. crazy. Oh, right. It's like you just pop, you've missed it. Okay. Um, which is good, but if the I wasn't sure whether or not GPS was going to last. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine, like, for anybody going to the likes of the Barclay and not knowing what the course is and being such a, a long, challenging course, you know, you're orienteering and being able to read a map and understand it has to give you a level of confidence. Oh, it, it does, <clears throat> certainly, and, and that's probably a, a big feature of, of the Barclay. You know, some people who are really good runners would go out there and, you know, they have the intention of hanging on to another really mm-hmm. good runner that they would know <clears throat> and getting dragged around the course. And, you know, if that strategy works out for them, it's great, but if for some reason you get separated from the other guy or the other guy <laughs> falls and hurts himself or whatever... You know, you're left out there without a notion where you are. Yeah, that's a big and, gamble. And it's a big gamble, <clears throat> huge gamble. So, so I think most people stra- a sensible strategy is to you know to learn a little bit of navigation, so that you can find mm. you know find your way by yourself to the points. And navigation navigation isn't particularly difficult. It tends to be along a big long ridge, up to the top of a hill, or down to the bottom of a hill, or down to a stream junction. You have a number of different stream junctions. You need to make sure you hit the right stream junction. So in the daytime, it's not too bad. It turns into a different beast at nighttime. It yeah. gets much, much more complicated. That, that has to be hard. Like, cause even like living next to the morns and it changes very, very quickly and the clouds can come down. It's brilliant. We've got the walls. Uh-huh. But if you're running the crop, uh, top across the mountain there and the, the cloud comes down, just like the darkness yeah. comes down, 
even the darkness, as yeah. I mentioned there, going up Binion at night. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'd been up it so many times, and right at the very beginning, I was working out: is it this trail or is it this trail? Yeah, yeah. it was a totally different ball game. Yeah, oh, I mean, even tra- training for this thing, I've been up in the mornings every weekend for the last four odd months or whatever more, and <clears throat> you know, the times I haven't had my compass with me, and you hit a bit of fog, and I'm like, I know the place like the back of my hand, yeah. running the same route. <laughs> And you stand at the top of the hill and wonder, do you know, which angle am I taking off this? And you're not quite sure. It's amazing how a wee bit of fog and a Yeah, you get totally disorientated. I remember one time going to a lake with a boat and we just wanted to go to the very top of the lake. I used to do a lot of fishing. Uh-huh. And I headed up the lake pike fishing and about five minutes later I came back to the slipway. Uh-huh. I'd done a full circle <laughs> and I was just going straight. straight. Yeah, you know, yeah. you get so disorientated. Yeah. So I think it was important to bring that up a little bit because it is a key part of the Barclay Lake. Yeah. It really, really is. Like, and it will help you help to be successful there. So tell me the very first time that you ever heard Barclay Marathon. You know, that's, <clears throat> that's very hard to, to pinpoint. I think, you know, in research on other ultras, just the Barclay kept, you know, coming up and you'd have a little read about it. I, and you know every time it would come up you read something else about it and it kind of caught my imagination because it wasn't just you know uh, an ultra marathon it was the navigation with the orienteering bit yeah. thrown in uh, which kind of that, that suits me that kind of something that interests me so it was actually a guy in the orienteering club uh, Connor who gave me Frozen Ed's uh, book uh, and you know read that in detail and it's a lot of really interesting information in it and that kind of just caught my imagination from that point on. It became kind of, I suppose, a bit of a, an obsession. Yeah, you kind of just look for every little bit of information. The more you read, the more interested mm-hmm. you become in it. Tales from Out There, that book was called. Tales from Out There, yeah, that's right. Brilliant. And when you read through the book then, did you just feel it's, it's one of them type of books that draws you in? It, it does. The book draws you in and, <clears throat> and the kind of the whole idea of, of, of the event itself draws you in. The, the fact that you know, so much can go wrong, I, and the navigation a bit, I, the whole thing, it kind of in, mm. in, in, intrigues you. Does he go into the, how the Barclay was created in the book? He, he does, yeah, yeah, I mean, explains kind of the beginning, he was one of the original himself, he was one of the original, very nice guy, actually, He's he was there at the Barclay this year, I, so, yeah, he explains sort of the... Tell the me a little bit about that, that then, because that was, was quite intriguing. It is how it, how it begin uh, began. I, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary is like a, a, a prison that was located uh, in Frozen Head, and, and the main reason was because of all the mountains around it. They put this prison basically up a valley with mountains surround, surrounding it, uh, <coughs> and, and the prison itself, uh, they, they called it the, the end of the line. It was some real bad dudes put in this prison. <laughs> And if they escaped from, from the prison, the mountains were kind of the second line of, 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 of right, okay. you, know, you weren't going to get out of the mountains. You might get out of the prison, but you weren't going to get out of the mountains. So that's why it was located there. So there was a famous bad guy, James Earl Ray, who uh, shot Martin Luther King, which is the reason he was there. And, and he escaped and he'd been gone for days and he was found eight miles from the prison. So... He'd only managed to make eight miles, and at that stage, 
Lars came up with this <clears throat> idea. He said, you know, this guy only did eight miles. I could run 100 miles in that, that same length of time. And that's kind of how the event was. That's pretty unique, like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so what made you then think to yourself that you're going to put an application into that? At what point? So you've read the book, you know, you've heard about the Barbie. We've all seen the Netflix movie. I watched the Netflix movie. I didn't feel drawn to that race. Like, I thought, like, wow, that is unbelievable. That would scare the life out of me. <clears throat> the whole thing just intrigued me, I guess. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? I've n- no pretension I was ever going to even consider finishing it. You know, it was kind of, I, I thought, I looked at the fun run. I have the, the, what they <coughs> call the, the full Barkley 100. But within that, if you finish three loops, it's it's called a fun run. I, and... I, I kind of thought fun run. I could, I could possibly complete a, a, a fun run. So, so how that, many how many feet's that? So that's half, is it? No, it's fun one is, half. It's so three, three loops. Three forty two thousand feet. Yeah, it's seventy odd miles, maybe. Odd miles, yeah. <laughs> but you kind of that sounded doable. You yeah. is one hundred and five miles yeah. and thirty thousand feet. So, okay. Uh, and for the fun run, you have forty hours. So, keep them going for forty hours. Well, mm. again, you know the limit on something like the UTMBs. I think it's 46 hours so you know that's that's not that long and uh, the key thing is that you've got a limit per loop so and you can't drop beneath that limit per loop or you're out so you right, okay for the fun run well for the full thing it's uh, about 12 hours a loop to complete the 60 hours you know the race okay. the 60 hours for the fun run for three loops you get a little bit longer so it's 13 hours and 20 minutes per loop so if you if you finish the first loop in 10 hours you can carry that time forward into mm. the second loop, which you need to do because the second loop's in the dark. Yeah. Uh, your navigation, etc., is going to be a little bit slower in the dark. So, if you get through that second loop in the dark with still within your, you know, your allotted twenty six hours forty, and that, you know, your, then then the third loop actually becomes possibly a little bit easier. Yeah. Nice to bank some of that time as well, like. Yeah, yeah. Bank a bit of time, and you've got it for whenever you slow up a bit. So. I don't want to ask you about the registration because it's one of those unwritten laws not to tell anybody how you get into it, which is another um, one of Laz's unique rules, I suppose. Yeah. Like, um, But was it difficult to find out how to register? It, it, oh, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is difficult. It, you have to be very persistent and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, because there's a lot of false information out there, isn't there? There is, yeah. yeah. Just to try and confuse people and only really the dedicated. And I I, want to say the reason why you're being hesitant is because, you know, there's, you have to work it all out yourself, you know, and that's part of the race. Yeah. And being given the opportunity to enter the race, um, there's a high level of respect for all the competitors going in not to break that unwritten rule, which is, I think it's fabulous. Even now, after all of these years, that is still holding. Yeah, well, that's, absolutely. That's pretty good, like, isn't it? Absolutely. You'll find, you know, for, for the, there have been, been a lot of people, I think there's been well over a thousand people have, have tried the Barkling now, and, and nobody, whenever they come out of it, will give any of the secrets away. Yeah, it's good. People tell the same stories that you read about and that are published. I, so, but but nobody will kind of come out and just spill their their, their guts. There's, there's the something end. about it too. Like, is a friend of mine, Michael Shields. He actually only lives about half a mile from here. 
he done the Barclay Classic. Yeah, I listened to that. That was great. Um, and I haven't asked him how to enter. Right, okay. I almost feel like I'm not allowed, so I'm going to get cursed. Well, Laz will pull out a voodoo doll or something, <laughs> like, if I dare even ask the question. Like, um, But I think that's pretty unique and makes it even more sort of interesting, I suppose, yeah, yeah. for a better word. Like, well, I suppose, you know, I mean, the other thing that's <clears> worth saying is that the main reason why I... Why it is secretive uh, is probably, you know, the, the, the Frozen Head State Park is a national park and within the national park itself, you ha- you're only allowed to walk on the trails. Okay. Uh, so once a year, Laz gets a permit to allow people to run off trail uh, and he's only allowed 40 people. So, uh, and you know, there are a lot more than 40 people interested yeah. in doing the event. So that's kind of one of the reasons for, for just keeping it at a restricted number as well. Otherwise, it would be, you know, mayhem. Uh, so, so people will be going in and trying to track the course and things like that. Yeah, well, that's... People, you know, people don't do that. People don't yeah. do that, so... Is the park closed? That part of the park sort of closed or restricted in any way or form? Because you can imagine, like, hundreds of people's even going there and just even get a photograph at the other gate. Yeah, and it's interesting actually chatting to the rangers uh, at, at uh, you know, in the rangers hut beforehand. I kind of just wanted to ask them, you know, do you, Barkley, what is, you know, is that good? Is that bad for the park? And they thought it was a brilliant thing for the park. Yeah. As Morgan County in itself in Tennessee wouldn't be a particularly well off county. Uh, and they, they have people come from all over okay, the world yeah. to stay in, in Frozen Head Park just mm. because they've heard of the Barkley. That's so really it, good. It draws tourists in. Leadville's very much that as well. Have you ever heard anything about Leadville? Because right. it used to be an old mining <clears throat> town, which is no longer. Um, but that race draws in so much money into that community yeah. every year, yeah. which is pretty interesting yeah, as the, well. Like, they've, they've actually turned the prison now in the last few years into a tourist attraction. So they've opened a new tourist uh, centre at the prison this year. And I mean, that's brilliant. You know, you can go in and actually yeah. walk around. It's great, like, because anybody that goes there knows all about the story. You know what I mean, and 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 we'll know about certain places and certain like uh, Rat Jaw Creek and Spectacle Testicle and all these things. Uh-huh. It must be crazy just to, because like, I've experienced it in other races. I know it's slightly different, but being at the start of New New York Marathon or the finish of Boston Marathon, these iconic places and racing, you think like, wow, I'm here. Uh-huh. You know, and there must be that sense of like you you reach the prison and in, in the Barclay Marathon. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and you're like, but you must get that all the way through that race. You oh, know? absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. As you say, you know, big hill, uh, little hill, the zip line, uh, rat jaw, testicle spectacle, uh, all these different hills. You know, you, you That's know, class, you, like... you kind of get there and go, wow. You know, I've been reading this for <laughs> researching this for you're years. You're almost in the book, and and you're, you know, you're 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 here. Some of the bitch ditch. Well, can you remember the time you actually found out? They actually got entry into the Barclay Marathon. Well, you know, one I just woke up really early one morning at five o'clock. I don't work normally wake up at that time, and I just thought to stretch my phone, lifted my phone. I don't know. I don't normally check my emails at five o'clock <laughs> in the morning, but there was an email that just said condolences, and that's and you know from your research that yeah an email with condolences and so opened the email up and so at that point I kind of just started you know shake because there's something I've been trying to get into for. So you have a copy of the email here. Yes. Don't mind reading that. I'll kind of read just a wee bit of it, at least anyway. So a personal message for Billy Reid. 
it is my unfortunate duty to inform you that you have been selected to run in the 2019 Barclay Marathons. Please understand that this is nothing personal. It is just the fickle finger of fate, the weighted scales of injustice and the malevolent humour of the sports gods have all conspired to drop the selection marker on your name. Even though it may seem that the dark cloud of impending doom is closing in and around you, that your ego is destined to be shredded, along with your flesh and clothing, there remains a single glimmer of hope. You can do the smart thing, if not honourable thing. Just give up now and decline this entry. No cold, no fog, no freezing rain, no mud, no cuts, no bruises, and most of all, no humiliating defeat. That is crazy, like, isn't it? Like, he builds you up, tells you about the torture, tells you to reject it, and then gives you some comfort. (laughs) You know, he says, you know, if you reject this, you can remain in comfort. Absolutely. And kind of that's the theme then that carries on for the next few months. You get the odd thing. So you need to kind of remain resilient and, you know. So how did you feel with that? Like, you must have been, like, excited or... Yeah, I mean, I never, I mean, I never realistically thought I was going to get into it just because mm. the number of people that, that get into it. A lot of people go back, you know, each year. Uh, so there aren't really that many slots. So, you know, I have no idea how, why so who, you picked my letter out. But Who was the first person that you told? I, I told my wife, obviously, give her a poke. And I told the kids and that's all I told for months. Wow. Because, you know, it's really strange as well. Something that you really want to do, news that you've got, that you'd mm. love to tell everybody and you can't tell anybody, you know, not people you run with or whatever, because you, you know it's going to, you know, going to creep up, creep out there. Yeah. And, and that's a bad thing because, you know, if people start talking about yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want that speed, you just want that. You, yeah. Well, you know, it's not what the race is about no no you know no. and it's all that hush hush and arriving yeah, yeah. and get it there and yeah. do whatever you want after that fact like yeah. as long as you don't give any secrets away obviously yeah. like well a lot of people keep it completely secret you know arrive take part and leave and they never tell anybody you mm-hmm. know so a lot of respect for the race like yeah yeah what um how long from the date of that e- email to the date of the race how long <laughs> was that Oh. oh no! I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what the reason why I'm asking that is I'm I'm thinking about the training, you know, because it's like, have you time to train? Well, obviously, you've got time to train, like. Yeah, yeah, you do. I um. Because I've heard some r- ridiculous training regimes. Coming up to this race, I don't know. It was your guy Gary. Um, Guy Robbins. I think it was Guy Robbins. I'm not sure if it was. Don't quote me on that. Um, But he was going for like 10,000 feet of climbing 12-hour runs at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is phenomenal. Like, do you know what I mean? He's trying to run 50 miles and go for like 10,000, 20,000 feet just in training runs. Yeah, I mean, well, he is kind of a, a, you know, an elite athlete. He's got fastest known times on lots of different races across the world. So he is one of the but it shows you the extreme obviously he's looking at the five loops like but it shows you the extremes that people actually go to to try and get because if 66,000 feet 100 plus odd miles like like you have to work for that there's no two ways about that the other thing to throw in there as well it's it's tough it's all your training is done over the winter months yeah so you know you've got a few months there and, and basically every weekend 
I, I got down to the moorings and I did something like the, the wall or uh, the seven sevens and threw in a little bit extra or uh, in the end some of that was getting a bit dodgy because a lot of snow and ice and, yeah. and wind <clears throat> about so it, I just follow follow the wall I got a nice view route that was able to get a uh, 11, 11 and a half thousand feet of okay, climb and I try to get that done you know every every yeah. weekend of it did you enjoy weekend. the training it's a hard time you of know, year it, it's like? a hard time of year and, uh, but do you know, whenever you know you're going away for a whole day, you know, yeah. it's an hour's drive down for me and an hour's drive back and then you've got a reasonably long run. There's something therapeutic about it, getting up yeah. into the hills. And something neat about it, like, isn't there, and getting back to your sort of natural... Yeah, yeah. I think, like, and just coming out of that busy rat race of a life, like, and just getting yeah. lost in the yeah. mountains. Like, yeah. there's something yeah. special about yeah. that, I'm finding. And most of, the, most of the days, you know, nobody wants to run in the mornings at that time of year and kind of had, yeah. wasn't able to tell very many people so you're kind of by yourself most of it which it was a long day whenever you're in the mountains and you're a bit uncomfortable yeah there is something unique about it as well like there was a like when we we did more made today myself and sean nickel like and we didn't see anybody yeah yeah you know and it was the place that you come up over cock and hen and i always stopped there there's just so much space yeah yeah yeah. And it's maybe been like that for thousands of years. Yeah. To be honest, it hasn't changed. And you just think this is actually this is, special. Yeah, yeah, There's something beautiful is. about this. Like, yeah. Well, some, yeah, some. Unfortunately, movies. I was chasing Sean. I was wrecked. Like, <laughs> so I took a bit of an edge off it. Like, um, I actually, I have one interesting story from the, uh, the the training. I was doing the seven sevens one day, and uh, the bit where you're on Mill Beg and you're running down to Ben Crom Dam. Yeah. Uh, it was a really misty day and as I was coming down off Mealbeg I run to the high bit of ground uh, between the two rivers that go down so I run to the high bit of ground drop down to the river on the right hand side follow the river down to Ben Crom Dam got to the top of the hill really really misty was just running didn't think anything up it dropped down what I thought was right it was actually left came down and hit the river and the river was flowing from left to right instead of from right to left I just couldn't figure it out why, why was this river flo- flowing the wrong way it was like really, really misty. So I went to run off. There was a whistle, and thought nothing of it. I went on another, went on a bit, and then I heard a shout. So just in the mist, and I kind of thought, right, stop. And I sat and looked at where I thought the shout came from because it could have been anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, the shout happened again, and I ran off to the shout because I thought somebody's out here in the mist somewhere. And I found a guy who was out for a run. <laughs> he said he'd been lost for a couple of hours down in that really uh, right. you know, really bad area. Uh, and he he was said he was starting to consider sleeping there for the night because he was Jesus. he'd been he'd been there for a couple of hours. That's quite dangerous. It like. was very, very dangerous. So I give him a couple of marathon bars. He had a couple of marathon bars and some yeah. sweets and ended up bringing him back out to, to Harris Gap and, and down to Middlemore Lodge direction. Jeez. But it kinda of struck me after that, you know, like if I had fallen in an area like that myself. Yeah. Nobody would have been there to find find me. So from that point, that was the end of, you know, where you go, where you go mm. by yourself. You know, a lot of people go into the the mountains by themselves, and I had gear with me, but like I wouldn't have fancied lying out, falling over a peat hag, hurting myself, and lying out yeah. there all night waiting for somebody to come. Especially and find at me. that time of year, like. So tell me, Tennessee, then. Yep. So you've travelled <coughs> over. Okay, uh-huh. you're on you're on the plane. You've travelled over, um, and you've arrived at the park. What was that like? Cause I was really nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, you know, uh, it was so much unknown and, you know, 
are you accepted? Are you even supposed to be there? You know, I, I was kind of really nervous at, from, from the outset about the whole thing. And, and there's also this other thing. There's always one person every year gets number one. Yeah. Uh, and number one's called the human sacrifice. So you've no idea. Number one's the, per- the one person selected that has no real place in being there. And you're kind of a bit paranoid. Am I the person that's you don't not know. supposed to be there? That, that is absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Because like, you don't know what number you're going to get at that point because you no. haven't registered yet. Yeah, yeah. And so the human sacrifice is going to receive that number. Yeah. And it could be you. And it could be you. So I'm going <laughs> to sit down in front of last. Because I believe that number one's not going to finish the first loop. That's you right. are just purely yeah. the human sacrifice. That's amazing, yeah. I have to say. So the human sacrifice this year was actually a guy called Tim Hardy who was the same guy that was in the film 2000, in 2014. So it was his second time as a human sacrifice. No um, way. He was, he was actually found out in Highway 62 during the second you know, the first day. You know, he got lost in his first lap again. So it was quite... That is unique. I'd cool. love to have known how he felt when he got that number again. Yeah. So some of the, like, there's quite some... I don't want to call them big names because they don't see themselves as big names, like you know. But successful ultra runners, I suppose, is a better thing to call them. You must have knew, known quite a few of them, or known of quite a few of them, especially from the Barclay itself. Like so you got Jared, because Jared yeah. he completed it three times, didn't he? He's finished He's the only three person times. that's yeah, yeah. completed yeah. it. He three was there times. again, and and John Kelly again. I need to be careful what I say here because people aren't supposed to talk about other people who okay. are in the race. But it must have really. been just adding to the sort of buzz of the race, really, like seeing these people. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of them, as I said, have returned, you know, for, for a number of years. Uh, and, you know, these guys that you've seen and you've read about, it's kind of mm. like being dropped into the middle of something that you already know, except, you know, you're a stranger in this group of people that you kind of have. Listen, so, yeah. Listening to you, like, <laughs> something... Like that, you know, it's, you know so much about it, and all of a sudden you're in it. It's a bit surreal, but like those guys, like you know, really, you know, one thing I was very conscious of whenever you dropped in, everybody's was was very good at trying to help you out, especially if you're new. You know, there was lots of advice yeah. from all these people that have done it many times. Really, really friendly, really helpful. You know, nobody's racing anybody else. You know, they're all helping mm. each other. I uh, for the first bit, and certainly, especially helping, you know, the Barclay Virgins to try to get out and, and, and achieve a loop you know or whatever yeah. so i guess one of, one of the main features as, as well obviously you've talked about the the elite guys what they what what laz needs in this event is kind of a range of different abilities in mm. the event what he doesn't want is a you know the, the, the top half a dozen or ten guys coming back every year trying again and again and again because what that would mean is there are a lot of people f- finishing four or five loops uh, every year and that's a lot of footfall on the off yeah. trail sections so you know to mitigate those he has a kind of a complete range of people people he knows won't complete a loop or complete a couple of loops and whatever and that just keeps the footfall off trail that's pretty down, unique so. like, isn't it like, he's, a, he's a pretty clever guy when you go into that sort of thought process as well and if you think yeah. of some of the races um, that we have even across the mounds or whatever like it's yeah. not very often those sort of things. Like we're talking about moving from cups and things like that, but actually the footfall is quite significant yeah, on yeah, those places, yeah, like, yeah. isn't it? And it helps make it accessible to you know people that otherwise wouldn't have a chance to you know go and do a race like that. People like me, so you know. It's, yeah. it, so it's talk great. to me about registration then, because like, 
I'm interested in everything in this race because nothing is the way it really should no, be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So registrate. Well, first of all, I suppose you arrive in a, you arrive in the campsite, and the campsite is is it's like a you know your typical American campsite in a in a national park or a forest. You, there are twenty pitches in total for either camper vans or, or tents. Uh, and you know there are forty entrants, and the forty entrants bring people with them, and there's Laz and his whole crew as well. So yeah, you're not you're not restricted there in any way. You can do whatever you want. Well, a guy Mike Dobby's kind of gets you sorted out into you okay. know gets people bunched in together. So there's two or three people in a wee site that's normally, you know, for for one okay. person. So you're you're right tied up against everyone, which is great because you know you've yeah. you're chatting with people you don't know. You're forced into you know chatting to people even if you didn't want to. It's campsites like. You know, you've got a, a little barbecuing area for burning, and there's uh, like the bear boxes that you stick your food into so that bears don't come and steal whenever. Uh, and Laz arrives and starts setting up his his stuff, and kind of everybody's very you know anticipating the registration and the setting stuff up takes a while. So he hangs up all the license plates, you know, one by one, and eventually he's 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 ready. Nobody the registration starts whenever Laz. Mm. is ready for registration at the start you know so uh, he, everybody and, and he just draws it out doesn't he like he's bound to oh, just draw it out knowing it's, him like it's great <laughs> it's one of the features yeah so so how much is it actually at the race it's one dollar sixty one dollar sixty so, yeah yeah so i uh, send off the two dollars but you don't get your change back it's yeah right. so that's pretty unique as well and um, but you do like first time is have to bring a number plate or does everybody yeah so the first time i bring a bring a number plate from their home country or state or wherever uh, and people who are veterans who've run it once before bring whatever Laz wants that particular year so this year it was other years it's been like flannel shirts and things like that this year it was a ripoff of Dr Pepper you know that drink yeah. called Dr Pepper well he didn't want Dr Pepper he wanted the best ripoff of Dr Pepper so people were arriving with crates of Dr whatever and all these different brands that kind of rip off Dr Pepper so you had a big stack of, of Pepsi <laughs> whatever beside him that is crazy uh, right? so. and if you've won the race for those that had run the race uh, sorry those that had finished the race um, he sort of they're awesome. supposed to bring out a packet of camel cigarettes because <laughs> yeah. so he thinks that's the best like. yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, he he himself is a rather unique character like isn't he I watched I actually posted a, a small clip on Laz um, on Facebook last night and he talks about the race and he really just thinks that, you know, people are living in such a comfort zone uh-huh. these days that he really wants to draw people out of that. Mm-hmm. And he really does believe that people can finish this race. Like he believes in the people that he's bringing to the race. He does. But every year, if he thinks somebody can finish it, he makes it a little bit harder. This year, he stuck an extra 2000 feet of climb on a lap. Uh, other years, he does other things just to make it that little bit more difficult yeah so <clears throat> I, so so yeah i mean it's, it's a bit like his last man standing or big's backyard ultra mm. you know it's it's just about pushing pushing it out as far as he as far as he can so like it's fair to say this year and you you'll say this every year it was barclay's hardest course because it's only going to get harder every year it's not going to really yeah well because I, I, I did read some of the quotes and some of them saying, Laz has gone too far this year. And that was from his, some of the elite guys, like, you know. Yeah. So extremely challenging. You know, yeah. And yet some of them were saying, 
you know that's doable but I think it's only doable uh, you know chatting to a few of them afterwards it's it, it's it'll take a few years and the perfect conditions and then one or two people will get it again yeah kind of learn the course because the, the the top guys know the course backwards they just run you know to each book they don't take a map out they don't take their instructions out they just know where they're going they run so mixture of good weather you know the right conditions uh, and, and a bit of knowledge again and you know somebody do it again and then it'll make it more difficult so you have a certain time you go back to camp you've got registration you got your number it wasn't number one what number was it uh, well you get a different number each look my first number was okay. uh, 41 um, so the idea that is then you whenever you start uh, you rip out page 41 in each book you come to and whenever you come back you're presented with 14 page 41s and if you don't have that okay. or you've lost <clears> one that's you out so and yeah I, I was sort of thinking about that earlier i was like like would somebody ever rip out the page <laughs> oh but i know nobody would ever do that like in that type of race like but not on purpose but it has it has happened where somebody's taken two pages and what people have done in the past is maybe gone to the back of the book and taken a page well so I've heard taken a page out of the back right, of the book okay. just to prove they were there you know it wasn't a real number but they could say look my page was gone but here's one out of that book yeah so tell me the reasons behind the book then as we're talking about those okay so um, originally whenever the races were run it was just a, a, a course and I you know it was taken that people ran the correct course mm. but Quite often, people were sure they'd run the right course and they'd made it, maybe made a mistake and nobody could prove whether they had or not. So yeah. I think it was Frozen Ed actually came up with the idea to do something simple, put a book out there and you rip out your page whenever you get to it. And that'll keep everybody happy because people will know that everybody's been to the book yeah. and done the full That's course. Because cool, like, so, you're not yeah. like GPS, you're not like watches or anything. So Laz buys you a watch. Yeah. Do you get to keep that watch? You do, yeah. So whenever... Whenever the conch blows, it's called conch and conch, but Laz calls it conch. So, so you don't know what time that's going to be. Yeah, that can be at any time between... Midnight and, and noon. Okay, uh, so you don't know what time day, it starts. So you have to try to get some sleep before this blowing conch blows. Uh, and then whenever that blows, you've got an hour, so you go and get your watch, and your, your watch is set... Uh, it doesn't set to the real time. This It, it, it goes to zero, 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 zero uh, at the start of the race. So, and that's the only thing, only electronic yeah. thing you're allowed to bring with you. So that kind of, you know, you're running along and you're wondering what time it is and you kind of have no idea. Your head scrambled because the watch... It's a few dollar watch. Like, it's only yeah. costs a few dollars. Like, real simple. Eleven dollar watch. Oh, <laughs> and you get to keep it after the race. So, so no, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. So tell me how you were feeling then at the camp before the... What's it called? What is it called? A conk? Honk? Conk. Conk, conk. It's a shell. So it's a shell. It's like, a shell that he blows. So Lars comes out and he blows that. Yeah. And you've got an hour to get to the starting line. So what yeah. time did he blow it at? Did you get any sleep before that? Joe, I was really stressed out before registration. After registration was over, I, I, I felt quite settled. Just this is all happening. You, know, you never got number one, so you're okay. Number one. <laughs> you know, this is all about to start. So I, I, I was dead on, actually. I got a reasonably good night's sleep. I, and... And the conch blew at eight twenty, so at that stage I'd already been awake for an hour and kind of you know daylight's wasting here. It'd be good yeah. to get out there. Everybody was kind of getting a bit you know like let's get this moving because you don't want all that good daylight to go because you know it's going to be dark. <laughs> uh, 
So the five, because the five loops, was, he'd done it a very unique way this year, didn't he? he so it was, because normally he does it clockwise, anti-clockwise, but he changes it all the time. Well, normally, actually, this this is the, he, he, this year it was two clockwise, two anti-clockwise, and then the leader gets to pick the route to go for the, the last okay. one, if there is one. <clears throat> uh, but, but last year, for the first time, they swapped it. Clockwise, anti-clockwise, clockwise, anti-clockwise. Okay. This year it was back to yeah. uh, both ways. So basically what that means is you do the first loop in daylight. Uh, then the second loop you do the same direction but it's at night time. So it's very different at night time. And then the third loop you do in the reverse direction in daylight. So again, because you're going the reverse direction, again that's completely different. It Everything looks different. Uh, and then the fourth loop is anti-clockwise again it could be either yeah. day or night depending on how long but that, that's it. yeah but it's almost four different loops uh, on the same course uh, yeah yeah that's yeah. pretty clever like. I think that's kind of why he does it yeah. that way he's just totally disorientating people yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah so come it starts at the yeah, the infamous yellow gate yeah um, tell me how it starts then because it's everyone arrives then and everybody sort of so many different emotions there. There's some old hands there. There's the likes of Jar. I don't know if Jar was there, was he? He was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like he's just he's looking forward to it. He's yeah. the most jolliest yeah. person there. Most yeah. probably, like, yeah. there's such mixed emotions. People are like, holy shit, what, am I, what yeah. have I done? And him and John were standing on photographs, smiling away, looking as if they were just busting keen to get going. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so unique. Like, and it's unique how it starts as well, isn't it? Because yeah. that's just. Yeah, he, he lights a camel cigarette, so it's kind of quite <laughs> quiet, and uh, that's it, everybody just <clears throat> runs off. But kind of the other unique thing about it, normally before a race, there's, and I think this is really refreshing, I think there's this kind of some sort of a safety briefing, or like a, a weather briefing. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, races have mandatory kit lists, or suggested kit lists, yeah. or some kind of information as to what you need or what you should bring there's nothing with the Barclay you don't, have, you don't get any information what to bring there's no minimum kit to Is go on your head be it yeah I think he says that as he stands at the gate he says something like you know be careful it can be dangerous out there <laughs> and that's your briefing <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's it it's class Yeah. no more yeah. complicated than no that no more complicated than that you want to go out in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and that's all you've got that's fine you go yeah because the motto from last year was like helps not coming it's a different one every year isn't it that's right this year this year it was loving puppies so you know whenever we saw that at the beginning we thought loving puppies well that sounds a bit more friendly <laughs> um, and then he starts posting pictures of uh, people climbing up trees to get away from dogs that are hanging off their trousers these fighting dogs and things. Just trying to put fear into people <laughs> so even yeah even something like loving puppies isn't all it seems. <laughs> so how, how does the actual race start then? Does it like, like do people go sort of different directions or all just like a normal run, everybody just jogs off into the same direction? Because so many different, as you said, different total levels of people there. Yeah. Some, a lot of experience, some absolutely no. Yeah. Barkley Virgins, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a bit frantic at the start. It's, it's the first bit and the last bit is on a little trail. So some of the fast guys just bomb off, like just fly. And the reason for that is the first book 
can be a bit of a bottleneck. You can imagine there were okay. four, 42 people started this year. So you can imagine 42 people arriving at a book at the same time, yeah. all trying to tear a page out. Uh, so apparently it can be a bit of a bottleneck, so the fast guys go off, you know, pretty hard. Uh, and everybody else, you know, kind of finds a pace that they're comfortable with. It was really, really warm this year. So, you know, I, I, I'd started off with a, a full-length top and my East Andrum vest on. And about halfway up the hill, I was roasting. Yeah, what do you call warm? Because it, it can change quite significantly, can't it? Well, that time in the morning, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it reached... It, 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 it was well into the 20s uh, during the day. But at that time in the morning, uh, 20 past 9, I, don't, I must have been close close to 20 uh, that kind of temperature, but you're you know you're you're climbing quite a steep yeah, hill. That's that very point. warm, especially this that's time warm. of year when your body hasn't been used or exposed to that yeah, weather. I've been running the mornings for like yeah. two or three months. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard to even like. Were you fully aware of what to expect from the weather on the Thursday? No, this <laughs> is the short term. It it. That was the one thing that I think everybody talked about afterwards that threw everybody and yet it shouldn't have, you know, go, yeah. go back and reading what I'd read before. I just hadn't appreciated the massive swing of temperature that can occur in that place that they do talk about all the time. Even the previous year where there were thunderstorms, where Ian mm. had said, you know, all the, the, the huge thunderstorms they had in the lightning. They were in the middle of the night and it was torrential rain and thunderstorms yeah. in the Barclay. I thought you couldn't write that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought that was a one-off. They were unlucky, you know, <laughs> we'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? Brilliant. Um, so the first feature that you took, are you, are you allowed to talk about the features of the race? No, or not, not really. really. Not really. Um, so the elevation aspects was quite a high climb do you hit the hills pretty early on yeah yeah i mean it's there's very little flat in it so you are right, either okay. climbing or descending so basically you know first one is a fairly significant climb and that kind of weeds people out so my strategy was well i was basically making sure i knew where i was on the map prepared to go it alone if anybody happened to be running at the same kind of pace, I didn't want yeah. to run too fast or too slow. If anybody was running at the same pace as me, and then you seemed to know what they were doing, I was going to kind of latch on while still keeping an eye on, mm. on where I was. So we got the first book, uh, and then there's a huge big descent, uh, one of the steepest descents on, on, on the course, and people just disappeared. Left right straight everywhere just yes. hell for leather but this is really steep now like this isn't is it really steep this really yeah. steep i and what uh, did you think when you seen that like like i mean like what line do you take well you know I, I mean? exactly you know i, I just kind of stuck with where i thought it should be kind of roughly <laughs> in the middle of all this madness that was going on and 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 you know there were people away out to the right and you could hear people away out to the left and uh, actually the course the route that we had that I had taken down and the few people ahead of me was quite a good route uh, because it was relatively clear mm -hmm. uh, most of the way down the second time we went down it it was a bit of a nightmare we, we didn't get such a good route but it was I mean it was pure luck just yeah. the, the, the route we'd taken uh, and what that that, that kind of just you know from people being relatively close together I uh, you know people were just immediately scattered at that point which is kind of opened right. it all up completely you know. and how did you find your 
Did you find yourself with a few people or at that point? It's quite still early on, isn't it? Like, yeah. how many miles in would you be? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you're at, at that point, well, time-wise, you're maybe in three quarters of an hour. Right, okay. Um, so the first book comes pretty early. You don't know what the book was by any chance? I, oh, I don't remember, no. Do you, you remember any of the books? I, 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 I do. I mean, they're in that wee bag there, but I think one, um, the one at the prison was, I, you know, if he runs, shoot him. Uh, you're just apt for a prison yeah. uh, and there were things like lost souls and uh, I think there's one called no turning back oh, it was obviously going to be something you know, like they're, that they're all you know you read the book and yeah. you know they're all <laughs> pretty funny pretty unique so you have to pull out the number that you have on your on your bib and make on sure your you, bib and you sure get a different number it. so it's the same books then yeah. yeah what do you do with the book then like once you pull the page out does it go back because the books are, you're given a riddle to find the book or some sort of instruction to find the book, aren't you? It's not like, because you have to find the books. They're not yeah, yeah, yeah. hanging somewhere in midair to pick up easy. Like. I, I, I suppose I'll give you an example. Uh, I suppose the one thing I didn't mention at, at the start after registration, at some point, I say about three o'clock, what he does is he sets out the map of the course. And that's the first time people see the new course. Uh, during registration, you get an instruction pamphlet that describes the route so it will describe exactly where you're supposed to be going and you kind of follow either the instruction booklet if you've ever done the Lakeland 100 or Lakeland 50 which is a great race in the Lake District uh, it is a, an instruction book and, and you know it's very similar you know you're, you're running down set run past the red telephone box you'll come to a green gate run right, up through okay. the green gate through the path so that's the, like the Lakeland 100 and if you if you're not reading the booklet you, and, and you, you, you go back to it and you think well, run past the red telephone box gosh if I run past that yet you've no idea and you come to a green gate is that the green gate they're talking about so yeah, you kind of yeah. have to keep in touch with where you are Brilliant. it's kind of the same on the Barclay with the instructions Brilliant. Uh, but the navigation I'll give you an example like uh, there's a circle maybe at a stream junction so you're, you're able to navigate using the map down to that stream junction from that point, you don't know exactly where the book is, if you can imagine. So one particular instruction said something like, you know, when you get to the junction, look over your right shoulder and you'll see two trees with hollow trunks. Uh, behind the tree on the right-hand side are two rocks, the books between the rocks. Now, if you didn't have your instructions with you <laughs> and you arrived at this junction and you looked around to see if you could find a book in the middle of this forest because it's full of trees, you know, you've no hope of finding the book but as soon as you know it's the, the description of where it is it you immediately can go across to it so it's like you know it makes complete yeah. sense once you're there if you read it in the campsite you go what's he talking about you know that makes no sense <laughs> so and, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take him to get the instruction wrong would it no you know you you have to be, be yeah because yeah. you could lose everybody like in one yeah, like yeah it's, it's pretty cool though even even getting to the first book again because um, I, I know the story but I know how amazing that would be like, and even just to get the book in your hand to pull your bib number out like that's it's another yeah. moment of the Barclay isn't yeah, it yeah oh I, I was just loving every moment of it at that yeah, stage it didn't matter how far I was going that was just kind of you know unique so the terrain is so different talk to me about the different types of terrain in there because as, as I said I had Michael on it before and he talked about but I've seen people photographs of the lower limbs just shredded with like yeah. wires and stuff like that. Yeah, I think everybody's wise <clears throat> enough to that now and they wear either orienteering gaiters 
which like bramble bashers or you know I had compression calf compression guards yeah, yeah. or which you know provide a similar similar yeah. function. So the only scratches I got were kind of you know on my upper legs or arms, I but because <clears throat> the early days people used to get shredded. Shredded, they? yeah, 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 and and the briars are quite unique across here. Briars, you get briar patches and they kind of all lie down flat, but the briars across there seem to stand up like young saplings, you know, like a really skinny, yeah. brand new tree. So they stand up straight and you run past them and you, you catch a wee bit of it in your arm and the thing just wraps around you, <laughs> just like that. And there's nothing you can do. You kind of have to kind of stop and unpeel, you know, this thing. Yeah. So when you can't really tell, I, I couldn't tell there were briars at the start. I thought they were just young trees, but there were these nasty things just waiting to catch you and engulf you. Yeah. And the rattlesnakes as well is another... Yeah, thing to be. Yeah, no, we were aware of. <clears throat> we were worried about the. Well, I was. You kind of get, as a Berkeley virgin, you know, you're pumped with all this information. You know, there are bears, mountain lions, rattlesnakes, copperheads out there <laughs> waiting to get you. You know, give up now. You know, if you don't want to face these things at night time, and he puts pictures of these two eyes in the dark <laughs> looking at you. So, I. <clears throat> but, in reality, I snakes at this time of year. In the summertime, I think during the Berkeley Classic, Classic yeah. you know, you, you would find things like that. Uh, but this time of year, the ranger said, you know, the snakes generally aren't out. And if they are out, because it's so cold, they need a lot of heat to, 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 to become fast enough to, to do anything. They're too <clears throat> lethargic. Mm. So even if they were out, you know, they wouldn't be fast enough to be able to do you any harm. Yeah, but that's enough to still keep me worried. To be honest. Not worried, but aware. That's another <laughs> thing to be aware of. Like, yeah. um. So you're coming up. Was did you find any complications sort of on the first loop? Because it's a lot of climbing. Like you got five dollars. Like how how was your body reacting to that? Like, I do you know? I mean, I I I had been every week doing the climb I'd been doing, and I was. The one thing I wanted to do was keep going for forty hours. So I was kind of just pacing it, that I thought I could keep going for you know, easily for, you know, a day yeah. and a bit, at, at, at least. You're so staying slightly comfortable, but comfortable, not, yeah, not you had, pushing too hard. Yeah, like. yeah, you had, well, I felt I needed to stay comfortable yeah. if you push too hard. And there were people pushing hard that we came across later. I, it's loop but, one, like. Yeah, loop one, you know, if you're going to do three loops, you got to keep mm. a, a good bit in reserve. And, you know, you read, you read that and you know that. So first loop was more about just keeping things absolutely as clean as you could. You tried to, you know, make sure you weren't going anywhere, you didn't need to go waste any energy, you didn't need to waste, make sure you ate lots of food, but quite early on, I, I, I was very fortunate. I kind of found naturally, you know, that I was running with a couple of other people. So Nikki Spinks was running at roughly mm. the same pace, and I, it was her first time there as well, but we were both following a, a, a lady called Stephanie Case, who had run it before, and, you know, the first uh, part of it, we weren't, well, I wasn't, you know, entirely sure if she knew exactly where she was going, but as time went on, you know, you could really tell she knew the course really well. She knew where she was going. And then at some point, I can't quite work out, we gathered another guy called Michael. And so the four of us uh, kind of stuck together for the whole That's of brilliant, the, the first loop. And Stephanie and Michael, <clears throat> Michael, this is his fifth time doing it. So Stephanie and Michael were discussing, you know, various options and, 
various things were going along and myself and Nikki were running along checking our maps looking over our shoulder to see what it looked like in the opposite direction and just sucking up as much information you know as we could from these two guys so have, have you ever met Nikki before that race no, no. Nikki's phenomenal as well isn't she holds the 24 hour peaks record I think she had like 64 peaks or something in 23 hours well, yeah, I, she did the Bob Graham round twice. She's done the double Bob Graham. She's done the double, so there and back. Done the double Ramsey as well, so two of those in twenty four hours, which is phenomenal. Athlete, like, so it must have been feeling pretty good, like sort of connecting with those type of people. That was great. You know what I mean? It's great. Couldn't get any better, well, even though you're running through hell, yeah, so to speak. Because yeah, yeah. one thing about ultra running. Like you just share your stories, don't you? Yeah, you've got time. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of time to <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of time to chat. Big long hill, you're just trudging up it. You know, it's it breaks yeah. the monotony. Gradually getting to know people. So, Brilliant. is there anything? Is there any strong memories? Like, if I say to you, what's one memory that comes out of Loop One? What sort of comes to mind first? So much. <laughs> so much. You know, just. You know, getting to each place that you read about and going, wow, right, okay, you know, yeah. and kind of moving on to the next. So tell me about the jail then on that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <clears throat> so that's, oh, I was about to say what it's after, but I can't really say that. <laughs> but yes, you come down. You, you, you go down, through the tunnel, but everyone knows the about that. Like, yeah. The tunnel can flood as well, like, can't it? Yeah, no, we were so warm, it was incredibly yeah. hot. It was somewhere in the, the mid-twenties, you know, so... So it was actually quite pleasant to get into the water uh, and I didn't mind getting my feet wet at that stage because my feet had been really, really dry all day. So getting them wet was actually quite pleasant. Yeah. I, that, yeah, there was another, there was another part which is quite memorable. I, one of the, one of the descriptions, you're, you're, you're running along at one point and you get to this feature and Laz's description is once you get to the feature, if you look to your right, it's a, it's it's, and 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 you see a really steep bit, uh, going down something like that. Uh, he says, and it's not that description isn't right, but you're probably right. Go down there, you know. So, <laughs> and it's this just, it's a bit they call Leonard's butt slide. So you basically, I, uh, start sliding down the side of this mountain, trying to hold your your feet, uh, all the way down like, hundreds of meters. You get to the book and then you have to come all the way back up again. No, <laughs> so way. it's a real scramble, pulling yourself back, back up again. That's so that was classic, quite a, that like, was quite a quite a memorable bit. Yeah. So coming to the end of so how many book, books were there? There was like ten, yeah, fourteen, and fourteen books. Quite a lot of books then. But that can change again. You know, depending on the course. Yeah, but it doesn't change. Like it's fourteen books every loop, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yes. Every from year to year. Yeah, from like, year to year it changes. And so the books, the books don't change. Yeah. Do you get a sort of an idea then on the second loop where the books are? You're trying to remember because you're coming from a different direction. Well, you're coming from night even, which is even more yeah. complicated. Like, yeah. so you're you're, uh, but are you trying to make sort of a mental note of oh, what's yeah. around you and yeah. things like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the second one, even though, uh, you know, it was dark. You know, as soon as you get there, you know ex exactly where you're going to get the book. So the second time. The second time was, you know, so much easier. If it was daylight, the yeah. second time would have been so much easier. You just knew exactly where to run, as opposed to having to look at your map and look at the instructions and work out what you could just, you know, rip up yeah. and grab it. I 
kind of from orienteer and I kind of remember can I can make a, a mental picture of a map and you know I know where I'm going so you, you can see from a veteran point of view why it's recommended that a you know a, a Bartley virgin runs with a veteran yeah, very you know, once, once you know the route it's so much easier to navigate mm. but then you throw in the night and it becomes something different something different, different animal altogether yeah. um, so you finish the first loop do you finish at the yellow gate again you have to touch the yellow gate and then that's okay. you kind of you pass your page so how did that feel like because you don't go on you don't get um, any your name doesn't go on to the result unless you finish the loop it's not right so you, you never even were there yeah, yeah. really yeah. Um, so it must have felt good even just getting that first loop finished and coming and hitting that gate yeah, yeah. even though you're really still focused yeah. at that point you're yeah, not yeah. thinking well that was a huge relief just you know just to have got through that first loop safely at that stage I, and how long did that take it took 11 and a half hours okay, so it's pretty good first that was a good like 13 hours 20 minutes you saw a bank in a couple of months so a yeah, bit of a buffer then to throw into the nighttime <clears> loop which is mm. going to help us get through the nighttime loop hopefully in time so what do you do then at that point of um to so go back to the camp so like <clears throat> yeah so nikki asked stephanie <clears throat> you know at that point how long we taken and and uh, Stephanie says 20 minutes so right okay 20 minutes 20 minutes that's not much time to get fed change some clothes and whatnot so I uh, it's a bit frantic I uh, we were really lucky actually we were beside a, a group of Canadians who were really switched on I uh, I sat down in my chair and people started taking my shoes and my socks off and I you know and I hadn't met only met the day before <laughs> and I uh, feeding me stuff and and it was, it was it was brilliant it was like a pit stop like an f1 pit stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and and somebody had a, a, a phone out with a time on it so they were saying right you've got 10 minutes you know you've got five minutes and I says right okay I think I need to I think I need to put on long trousers and cold he says you don't have time you have to go you have to go here <laughs> so I got up and, and, and went and the other ones had already left the gate at that stage were 100 yards up the road so okay. if they hadn't have done that I'd have been you know on my own again yeah. for that last loop so they were invaluable yeah, so that was important. But you're going into the night. Yeah. Um, you're still wearing shorts, and there was a storm on its way. So you talked about uh, yeah. the year before that, but there was bad weather coming in. Yeah, you know, it it whenever we had seen the forecast the day before, it was just going to get a little bit cold, and it was going to rain <clears> for two hours. There was a front coming through, and you know, we all had thought that, and we talked about that as we came back to camp. And nobody had kind of said anything was any different, and there isn't good internet coverage, so nobody had picked up the fact yeah. that it's significantly changed. But you know, having said that, I still had a coat with me. I had two long sleeve tops and a thick t shirt with me, and shorts and my full waterproof trousers as well. Because mm. no aid stations on it, is there? There is two water stops. Two water stops, yeah. Yeah. Um, You're self sufficient apart from that. Yeah, so you're carrying quite a lot of gear as well, then, aren't you? Yeah, lots of food, and, and you know, for the first loop, it was so hot, I was carrying two litres of water with me a lot of the time. Yeah, because 11 hours is a long time out on yeah. course, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I drank six litres of water in total in that. So the morning way took me water. five hours a day, I can, I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> carrying that, like, you know, so... Um, well, you know, it flew at the same time, it was, you know, you're, you're seeing all these things for the yeah. first time, and things that you're hoping to see, and chatting with people flew the first the first lab so 
when you took off onto the loop two, you go to the other gate again. Do you have to like touch it and away you go? Yep. So the, there's a strict rule there. As soon as you uh, get your bib from Laz, you're not allowed to receive any more okay. assistance whatsoever. So, you know, I mean, again, this year it, it happened. People had set their map and their compass down somewhere and they get their bib and they go, I've forgotten my map or my compass and they're not allowed to go and get it. You have to go. That's it. And he warns you before he gives you. Are you sure you have everything with you? And you say, yep, yep, give me my number. You know. <laughs> but some people, you know. That is brilliant. And what what time of day or night or evening were you starting your second loop? Was it still daylight or? No, it was it was a uh, it was dark at that stage. Uh, what was it about? Was it nine o'clockish? I think we were setting out something like that okay. at night time. So it was dark, dark but still warm. You know, still shorts. Yeah, okay. Well, your your legs. Lighting is a thing. Like <clears throat> my Petzl Nano, I think only lasts three hours. I think I have I have another Petzl there works on batteries as well. Like. Um, but you don't want a, ga- a gear failure no no in this type of race because you'd be in trouble disaster yeah um, so talk to me about the second loop because it's a to- totally different dynamic now you know the first loop was quite exciting it was in daytime it was all new it was all fresh and um, the second loop was cursed by Laz <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah well you know to me as well I second loop well, there were 42, to start off with, there were 42 people started uh, the first loop and, and it was down to 22 to start wow. the second loop. <clears throat> so there's already, you know, a big attrition rate with the hot weather on the first day. Uh, but that's that's not... Un, yeah. you you're know, not aware of normal. that during the race, no, though, are you? know, you're not yeah. at all aware of who's <clears throat> finished or who's behind mm-hmm. you or who's, you know, so you, you just, you know, go out and run. But to me... You know the night loop again whenever you read about it is kind of the special you know yeah. one of the special things going out at night time and surviving through the night in this pretty gnarly forest so i was really excited to get back okay. out at night and, and get that experience you know it's brilliant you know, that so taught me through that then so you got um you got the first book when, uh, when did the rain start to creep yeah. in so but halfway up the first hill you know you could start to feel spots of rain and you could see fog starting to form you can at that point go, oh, no, you know, this is this is going to be different. <laughs> it's going to be tricky. So <clears throat> we got to the top of the hill uh, and ran down to where we thought the book would be. And, you know, we were quite close to it, but the fog was in and it was dark. And it was amazing. You know, it was maybe just 20 yeah, yards yeah. away, but it, it took a couple of minutes to so locate it. Really it heavy fog, like? No, 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 not, 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 not yeah. at that stage. Because when your head torches are heavy fog and all, it makes it even more yeah. difficult, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was more just murky at that stage and still quite warm. So uh, so that wasn't a problem, picked it up quite quickly. Yeah. And just at that, as we were picking it up, the rain started to really lash at that point. And, and that first, remember I said the first hill was really yeah. steep. The second time we headed down, it had just got really wet and it was a completely different course. The, f- the first loop I'd worn my mud claws, which are really grippy, uh, and, and, and this time I had Salomon Speed Cross on, which weren't maybe just as grippy, but other people, Nikki had her uh, graphenes on and whatnot, but running down that first hill, we were just sliding at our backsides, yeah. grabbing trees to stop ourselves. 
you know, slide too far. It's and that was because of the water. It really just the leaves. Changed. It was starting to change. Yeah, yeah. So wet leaves, like wet they're leaves. treacherous. And it started to turn to mud just really, really quickly. So, you know, every footstep was, was, was you know, potentially a fall mm. at that point. It was, it just completely changed that that first ascent. So along with you falling, then the the temperature started to fall as well. So yeah, so that that rain was supposed to have lasted for for two hours, I, uh, but it 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 lasted for quite a bit longer than that. And as it went on, the rain got colder and colder and colder until it was really, you know, like ice cold rain that was falling. But as well as 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 the rain getting really cold, I uh, you could hear high up in the trees the wind had really picked up. So, so at that stage. When we were down in the valleys, the fog got really, really thick. Uh, but when you climbed up a bit, it got thinner and thinner and thinner until it was a lot clearer on the top. But there was an icy cold, really hard wind blowing. So at this stage, I think we were all uh, you know, completely soaked through it. Every stitch of gear we had on us at that point. And, and you were kind of warm as you were walking up the hills. But the further up the hill you got, mm. just whenever the gusts of cold wind got you, it just sucked any heat. Out of you. That gets into your head, like, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's... There's a, the factor of fear and stuff that you can push through, but when you start getting cold... Yeah. Um, and you start shivering a bit as well... Yeah. You know, you start getting... You want to get moving, but the problem and challenge that you've got is, like, you're not on an open road or anything. You know, yeah. this is technical. Yeah. Where a lot of the course, you're not able to really go at it and get your body temperature back up, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because even that, that first, like, downhill that you talked about, which is very difficult to hold on to, like, even Jared, who has won it three times, he rolled his ankle going down that the first on loop one. Loop one. Yeah, it must have been gutting for him. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so that's, yeah. that's, that's how difficult it can be. You know, you have all the experience, just that one foot. Uh-huh. Like, and even I felt it today going across the moment. You just, you're so conscious of it, like, cause it's so easy to roll your ankle. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And things like that. Um, so talk to me about the terrain a little bit and from the rain perspective and how different like the course was turned what the course was turning into really. Because the rain lasted quite persistently, didn't it? It did. It was like, supposed when to be you a... talked very high up, like I heard reports of snow coming down. So you yeah. talked twenty degrees and now you're talking it's snowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So so yeah, I mean it was well over twenty degrees at, at times during the day, uh, and and at the coldest spots, uh, it it was well below freezing. You know, you could hold your hand out and, and catch hailstones in your in your hand, and it was blowing really strong wind. So it was with the wind chill, it was really really cold, uh, and and that had turned you know it had turned everything the the the, the rain. The rain came in pulses, you know, it rained for quite a while, and then it would kind of think, right, it's going to dry, that's going through, now it's going to dry up. It never did quite dry up, and then it would just rain again really heavily. <laughs> so, and if it wasn't raining, it was hailstoning or, or snowing or, or whatever. What was so, the conversation like in the group at that point then? You, I wouldn't have liked to have been on my own at that point. No, no. You know, that would have been extremely lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, on, I think it must have been the second or third climb, we, we picked up another guy from somewhere. This torch just appeared out of the gloom. And, and you know, he says, can I stick with you guys? And of course you can, you know. <laughs> so he stuck with us. Stephanie was leading. Michael had a bad stomach at that point and he dropped. So we, 
carried on. Uh, and and at the top of at the top of that next climb, uh, we stopped for a quick bite to eat, just get some food in because we were cold. We need to get some food before we went much further. And he just said, "That's me. I'm going back." And we just couldn't believe it. We thought, "What? You're going back? No, you can't. Stick with us. You know, keep yeah. going. Why are you going back?" He says, "No, I'm going back. That's me done." And that really threw us. Yeah. You know, nobody was expecting that. You know, it's kind of like, what's going on? <laughs> For some reason, at that point on, we had a you know conversation like you know, I had gone out there to run for forty hours, and we were just you know partway through fall away, loop yeah. two, and people were starting to, to to drop out, and and you know, one thing we we knew Laz doesn't like people to quit. You know, we didn't want to quit. We want to get. We wanted a time out, just not make it in time. Yeah. But not quit. You know, you, that was never. Never part of the plan to quit. You know, that just didn't, you know, we'll finish this loop Brilliant. whatever way we have to, but we'll finish it. And that's what the conversation was, right, let's get this finished. You know, we'll just keep going. Don't need to go fast. Yeah, yeah. We'll just get it done. Because it, it adds additional pre- mental pressure to you that you're not, that's, that's something you were never expecting. You know, yeah. so, right, I'm, I'm out, I'm finished yeah, now. Yeah. Because your mind, your protective mind is saying to you, Hold on a second here, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, why are these guys? That's only adding fuel to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I don't think at that point any of us kind of thought, you know, we might go too. But that wasn't, you know, okay. but kind of couldn't understand why he wasn't, why he was yeah. doing that. You know, yeah, kind of messed with your head a wee bit. Because <laughs> you're wet, you're soaked through at this point, like, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Um. So when your your mindset at that point then was really let's right, come on, let's focus on this and let's do what we have to do to get through this loop. Yeah. Because there's always going to be a little bit of comfort when you get to the end of here and you can get dried off again, you get new yeah. clothes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a really, really difficult loop, loop too, because it's in the dark yeah. and you got really unlucky, obviously, with this weather coming in. Well, you know, the weather was supposed to pass, so yeah. we were kind of running along cold and wet, but, you know, this, this in an hour's time, this is just uncomfortable for an hour or two hours or three hours. You know, we'll get through this and it'll get warmer again, we'll be fine. Because you're, you're doing another four, 14,000 feet here as well. Mm. You know, it's not as if you're yeah. just running at night. Yeah. You know, you've already done five donuts, and then you've gone for a 20-minute break over, like, 20-plus miles, and now we're going to do that again. It's not just a matter of... I always have to try and bring it back to that, because <laughs> anytime time I've heard the stories, it's just sort of like people going into the wilderness and looking for these books. But again, like, you know, fatigue. I know how cold um being wet through starts to sap your energy do you know at, at that point nobody i think we were all the same nobody was, was saying we we're tired nobody was tired we we're still you know we we're still climbing the hills well and yeah. we were you know we were together nobody was holding us back or or you know nobody was tired or injured or or, or unhappy you know there was never a negative okay. word said it was all very positive so motivation was still there. motivation was still high very yeah. good so what flicked that switch because was it was it like that was it as blunt as that did it go down very very quickly it, it, i suppose it it, it our, our hand was kind of forced to some extent we were, we were climbing up got us before that is we've another head torch coming down the opposite direction that we were going uh, it was a south african guy 
who was still in loop one at that stage, he'd got lost. No so we way. Were loop two, and he'd seen our head torches in the dark, so he was making a beeline for us. <laughs> That's um, mental. And he basically said to Stephanie, you know, is this is this the way back? And you know, it wasn't the way back. Mm. You know, we were still. We're really on here, you like know, in loop we were, two. We were, we were about a third of the way through the course at that stage, uh, but the way back was to go on a bit and then turn. So Stephanie told him at that point, no, you know, come on with us, we'll bring you up, we'll show you the road you can take back, the quickest way back. And I think <clears throat> that was a small part of it. Uh, we knew he was, you know, going back whenever we reached the top yeah. of this next hill, but again, whenever we climbed up this hill, it just had got so, so cold. You know, we were, we did have a conversation at that point to say, you know, if, if one of us, twisted an ankle or fell or hurt themselves mm. you know we, we could only keep warm by constantly moving you know we were, had to constantly move we couldn't stop you had to kind of constantly yeah, move it's quite dangerous position to be in like yeah yeah if somebody had hurt themselves we would have been mm. in trouble you know all three you soaked through it's now like naught degrees it's dark and you have to keep moving to keep that keep shivering moving. down like yeah. and get that cold temperature sort of giving you some sort of something yeah. like um, but there is still three of you there. Yeah. Um, so the decision was made. Like, what made that decision then to finish on the second loop? Is that something you thought about afterwards? Sorry, jump ahead there. Like, what was? Yeah. We all, I think we all knew the next bit. And we knew the next bit was a huge commitment. Once you did that next bit, you know, you were, you were very committed. Mm. And we were all actually kind of quite worried at that stage as to just how cold we were, you know, like it was, okay. we, it was on the edge of, it was as cold as I've ever yeah. been, you know, it was quite, you know, on the edge of mild hypothermia yeah. kind of, you know, this is, this is really, and it's it was quite realistic. Like I mentioned Boston <clears throat> earlier on, there was 88 people pulled off course with uh, hypothermia, right, okay. you know, and it was yeah. like, not different than what you've sort of talked about, but the fatigue and everything, you know, breaks your immune system, your body's ability to sort of protect you from that yeah, as well, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it was our own, entirely our own fault. I had two heavier coats back on the campsite. I was wearing my lightest coat. If I had to put on the sit, just thrown in my second heaviest coat, why didn't I? You know, if I had my extra leggings on, you know, one more layer, I'd have been fine. You know, especially with a heavier coat. So, you know, it was a stupid, stupid, stupid Yeah, mistake. so I always ask people, you know, what lessons did you learn in that race? It's always a good way of guiding people that come behind you. But is, is that the main one that you think was the clothing? Absolutely. People, you know, <clears> think, well, for me, I kind of thought I had enough gear with me. But, you know, I think you probably always need to cater for the unexpected. Because the unexpected can happen. You might go back ten times and you'd always have enough gear with you, but you know, it's just yeah. kind of that one that, that catches you out. We were just so cold. It was and I think afterwards, you know, we, we knew we'd made the right decision at that time. Yeah. You know. Most people actually in, in hindsight, uh, most people that quit that loop quit at exactly the same point because of the commitment to go on. Okay. So there was a lot of people. Well, you think of the, the group that you were in, you know, it's a lot of experience. You know, the likes of Nicky Spinks doing the double Bob Graham, and you're all coming to that consensus together. 
you know, it's not taken lightly. So yeah. it's, it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's the right decision. Yeah. So that's yeah. bound to give you a bit of comfort afterwards thinking, yeah, no, that was, yeah. we made some mistakes that got yeah. us there. Yeah. But the decision based on but where we were. right at the time, you know, yeah. 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 The decision at the time was the only decision I think we could have sensibly taken. But I think you know, that there were 22 people started that loop. There's only six people started loop three. So yeah. the attrition on that loop was, was fairly significant as well so so talk to me about being tapped out then so you have to come back down is it quitters lane quitters road yeah quitters, quitters, quitters road, road. Quitters so road. you're gonna leave that's the road to that's take the road to take but it's quite a long way back down quitters road i'm not sure how long it took us because we had no idea of time it must have taken an hour and a half once we you know Jesus more to a couple of hours like, once we'd quit to, it's all in context isn't it like to get you know, it's um it's unreal so you come back to the the yellow gate is last there or how does that work is yeah 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 he seems to be you know he seems to be there all the time i think wonder is a human <laughs> you know, i don't know i don't I, I asked him afterwards did you get any sleep during that at all and he says oh yeah, got 20 minutes or something he says you know <laughs> and somebody keeps an eye out for him if anybody finishes they go and wake him up and he comes out and you know does his duty yeah because you get so, tapped out talk to me about being tapped out so tapped out there's a guy called david hen Normally, I think there are a couple of guys that do it, but uh, whenever you, 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 you quit, like most people do, but like everybody has for the last couple of years, uh, everybody gets individually tapped out. So a guy plays the, the, the bugle, uh, to, the taps on the bugle to, to tap you out, and that's the end of your race, which is quite bizarre yeah, in itself. Because on the bugle, it's, um, that's what they, is that what they use in the army and marines when somebody's... Or died. Dies, that's right, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the word. So you've tapped you out. But there have been some real u- unique finishes in the Barclay, isn't it? Like there's people falling to sleep on the last loop, and there's people that yeah. like, gone into the cave and gone to sleep, and yeah, yeah. like literally all got lost. Um, one sort of in particular was Gary Robbins that we talked about there in 2017. Yeah. Um, he just got lost on the last loop. Yeah. And he missed the sixty hour cutoff by six seconds. seconds yeah. Um, but he was short two miles on the course. Yeah. And um, I can only imagine going through all of that pain of like sixty thousand plus feet and hundred plus miles. It's almost like getting the winning lottery ticket and you're going down to cash it and you've lost it. Yeah, yeah, I can it's imagine. So close. You know, I think basically he got the last book and at that point when he got the last book, he must have just have thought, you know, this is it. I've done it. All he had to do was run down a trail to get back to camp. That's all he had to do. So I don't know, you know, what happened. It'd be, I'd love to know what, what exactly happened to him. But he obviously, like, you know, somehow switched off or, or, or just thought he'd finished or, or whatever it was. And, and he couldn't quite find the trail down and, and went the wrong way and that was you got all that sleep, you know, deprivation, sleep deprivation all of that like your mind is halluc- yeah. you're bound yeah. to be at some stage like hallucinating and things like that you I know, think it was foggy as well and difficulty seeing the trail so because there only has been 16 finishers 15 finishers Fif- uh, oh, sorry, 15, 15 different 15. individuals but with the people have done a number of times 18 finishers in total like 18 right, finishes okay. 15 finishers and like we had some amazing people on course with the guy that won the bigs 
and backyard. Oh, Hanstein, yeah. He, he was yeah. on course. Like Jared had won it three times. He only made one loop. And we had Pavel, who had won the spine three times. He didn't even make the first loop. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's but but it is unique, isn't it? Like it's such a challenge. I don't think there's anything in the on the planet, any race yeah. on the planet has had such a DNF. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's is it fifty five percent of actual events have had no finishes. So it's not even like on a race. Like I think it's fifty five percent. I read at one stage. Um, so fifty five percent of the races that have been run have had no finishes. Yeah, yeah. And then you only get one or two finishes if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. you know an event so that's yeah. how difficult yeah. and how yeah. challenging it is yeah. Yeah. so the fun run is a very much a focus for people like the 40 hours and, and that yeah. like yeah and do, do you know I think that's what I think for anybody to think they're going to do five loops unless they're you know one of those tough guys or well they're pushing the boundaries a bit yeah. but three loops gosh that's got to be you know doable for a lot of people with a, the, a fair tailwind you know if, you, if things just fall right so so yeah, but this year, you know, there were two people got out on, on the fourth loop, uh, and and called it quits during the fourth loop. So there were six people finished three loops this year, that's as much as 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 people got. It was a combination I think of kind of the warm first day and mm-hmm. then the really cold cold night. But uh, interestingly out of that, the two people that got the furthest were both Barkley Virgins this year. Wow. I uh, not the hardened guys well that was pretty cool like. so yeah that was really cool two two cool guys do you stay back in camp that night how do you warm up even like you're, you're sitting there you've been tapped out like your wife's waiting for you <laughs> she was asleep in the camper van at that stage hoping that we were still <laughs> this creepy knock on the window <laughs> like but you know it's it's a it's a there's great location right in the center of the campsite there's a big toilet f- block facility and it's roasting hot so people actually go in there and use it as their as their base at later okay. stages, you know, to keep warm and, and change clothes and stuff. And they've lovely hot showers and so it's just straight into the hot shower and stand there letting the water yeah. warm you back up again. Right. So, so very civilised. And I'm assuming you obviously stay there to the end, you know, to the end of the race, like Yeah, yeah. I mean we you know, the race is sixty hours, so we were gonna we wanted to see a finisher and then leave the next day. But the race was actually over completely over at 40 hours so it was over like a day early <laughs> I, but do you get to hear people tapping out then through the night oh or? yeah 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 I was, uh, you're lying there after you're finished and you just hear the bugle go <laughs> again and again and it's <laughs> <laughs> how did it how did the race finish so, uh, did everybody come out to see the last couple of guys or you know I, I, I missed it I, but because you, you you don't really know well, I didn't really know what's what's going on. Yeah. So I kind of, well, there were two people out on the fourth loop and you had no idea if they were going to finish that fourth loop or if they were going to come back within five minutes or if they were going to stay out for, you know, six hours. So you kind of have no idea when it's going to finish, but because they didn't finish that loop, you know, it was over. <laughs> I, so we, we missed both of them coming back in the end which which was unfortunate but we did stay there to the very end we were yeah. there while while it happened just not at the gate 
at that point in time. Was there a good buzz then of people sort of telling their stories or about this bit and about oh, yeah, that bit? Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. You know, after people get back and, uh, you know, the next day whenever people are up and about, there's lots of chat about, you know, where they got to and what problems they had and kind Excellent. of good camaraderie around. So what do you do after that? What do you do after the Barclay? I don't mean like, like literally come home and, you know, you've got a whole race calendar ahead of you. Like what else is out there? that can sort of, like, where does it go after the Barclay? Like, do you feel more drawn into something like that? You'd obviously love to go back. Or would you, or have you been there, done that? <laughs> there's always, there's always when you get a, when that race doesn't finish the way you hoped yeah. it had, or you have a day in there for something, there's a niche there. I, I didn't want to quit. I that was never on my radar mm. to quit. I I would love to have seen how far we, maybe we wouldn't have got that second loop finished. But in the right conditions and no we would have, you know, if it had been reasonable weather, we would definitely have got that finished. So part of me wonders, kinda would there have been a chance of getting a third loop mm. done? So it kind of you know, if if it if it had gone and would have timed out on the second loop, I could have accepted that. You yeah, know, yeah. gone right, okay, you know, tried that, done it. That's so as far as I can There's a get. niche there, I can so hear there's, there's a niche. There is a niche. There is a bit of a niche, but the chances of getting in again are very low, so, you yeah. know, yeah, I'll try, but, you know. Um, but you need a pretty good CV, you know, to get in there. You've talked about UTMB, you know, you, you've done well. You were the fifth in your age group. In yeah. UTMB, which yeah. is pretty phenomenal, it's one of the most iconic ultra races. Like, extremely challenging. There's a lot of DNFs in that race as well. Yeah. But it's totally it as hard as it is. It's totally different, like, isn't it? It's totally different. Yeah. Well, I think what part of the thing that Laz is looking for in applications are some sort of a, a history and some sort of mountain craft of some sort because. He's not going to go out and get you. He needs to know that people, whenever they're out there, are going to be able to self-extract. He yeah. is very proud of this, 100%, 100% self-extraction. So people have come back with broken kneecaps and Ian Keith with a broken collarbone and mm. whatnot. You know, people always manage to get themselves extracted from the forest. So, so you kind of, I think, need to have some kind of form of mountain knowledge to, to, to get in. Um, if you had... You might be able to answer this, like, but if you were able to describe Barclay in one sentence, what would that be? Oh gosh, that's that's tricky, because it's such a mad, it's such a mad diversity of, of things. You know, it's just the 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 weather was was mental. You know, the the climbs, the the different areas you were in, the the different conditions. Everything was different environments. Was, was was you know it was all. All mixed up, you know. Every other races, like UTMB, you have a set route, you have a track, and you follow it. You know, Barclays kind of mental. It's navigation. It's it's, you know, so many things. It's it's just hard to describe. Is it painful. It doesn't sound like you. You know, it was the cold really got you. That's what it sort of comes across like. You're beat more by the cold than actually by the race at that don't, point. Don't get me wrong, it was hard. I was just loving every minute of it. You know, yeah. you were kind of just living this dream that you'd always wanted to do. And 
and it was kind of cut short. You know, I would love to have just done a wee bit more. Brilliant. But <laughs> Billy, thanks very much. Yeah, no problems. Good speaking to you. I love this race. It's obvious that a strong mind alone won't get you to the finish line as it has defeated some of the best trail ultra runners in the world. Good navigation skills, a strong CV and a lot of luck might just get you to the fun run. You might just need a prayer to make it to the end of the five loops in under 60 hours. But it would all really need to come together on the day. Hope you enjoyed it. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving. Like, you've a great CV of doing like these races. These are things that have just sort of built up over time as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I well, you kind of look for something every year to do just as a bit of a, a challenge or whatever. I've done a few of the rounds, I... um, which I would love to do, but I know this year I'm not going to be in shape to do that. But that's another one that you tackled mm -hmm. and you had. You've done a good time, actually, didn't you? I, you have 20 minutes to spare, well, well, which is good time yeah, <laughs> for that course. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the second time. It took me a couple of times to have a crack oh, at wow. it, but you know that. I, I mean, it's it's just a, a superb thing thing to do. Again, you know, our approach to it the second time probably is a bit like the first time, but I, I, we did it with uh, Richard Newman and, and and Greg from down south, and, and Greg's uh, partner Gronya was there as a driver, and we kind of just went across. Uh, Greg had never been in, 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 in the Lake District before. Uh, an idea was, you know, Gronje we set uh, with a sat-nav, so we put the five crossing points uh, in, and Gronje was just going to drive to each of the five checkpoints, and right. change it. So it was all really on spec, but that's kind of that's kind of a good fun way to do. Yeah. Stuff like that could have gone horribly wrong at any point. In fact, I suppose that for the last up Honister Pass, uh, Richard's car, was the clutch was starting to slip, so Gronje couldn't get up to the final uh, point to, to meet us, and she had to stop local and, and, and get them to drive the car up to that point, so if you're at any point the whole thing could have come off the rails, but, but really but good, fun. really good, really, really worthwhile. Good for those people that don't know, like, so it's not an actual event, um, but it is the Bob Graham Round Southam, and it's in the Lake District. Yeah. And you can decide to do it whenever you want. Yeah. You've got 24 hours to finish the finish it. Yeah. And is it like nine kilometers? Is it 66 miles? Yeah, yeah so 66 miles, and it does like four nine peaks, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you have 24 hours yeah. to do that. Like that's good tip in the long light, isn't it? You don't really have much time to sort of mess about in that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the some of the times on are absolutely unbelievable. But most you know, people, Killian Jornet, so he went and broke the Buck Graham record by an hour, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, phenomenal. But most people, I think, you know, set a there's a, a target of 23 hours and 30 minutes. You know, and, and that's a good safe. You know, if you're going to do it, you don't want to go out too hard and blow up. Yeah. You just want to put a tick in the box and say you've done it. So. There is it four different sections or is it five? I've forgotten now. Five, I think five. It is. So you've got your time for each section and you know what time you need to be in. So because uh, it's steeped in English sort of history, like isn't it? Like there's mm -hmm. sort of again unwritten rules around that sort of race, like and it's like when you start, you start in the square, don't you? Yes, uh -huh. and at Moot Hall in the middle of Keswick. 
So again, you can pick whatever time you want to start it. Some people start at daytime, some people start it at nighttime, but once you start, the clock starts running. I, How's it tracked and recorded then? How, how does it stay honest? I suppose some of it is down to trust. Some of the different rounds have different rules. Some of them you, you need a GPS track log from that particular one. What you have to have is somebody else on the top of every summit with you to record that you've been there. Okay. So uh, you know you can bring a GPS with you if you want, yeah. uh, but you have to have somebody. So for instance, if you're running a group of two or three people and two of them drop out, the third person can't go on by themselves. They have to have somebody with them, so they, you know that's right, a okay. for them. And do you, was there anything there that you learnt? Was there any mistakes that you made, I suppose? I'm thinking uh, of the guys that are going over now. Or what sort of advice would you give to them? Is there any sort of tips? Do you know, a, a, a good recce is invaluable. There are certain places you'll come to and you look up and you go, how do I go up that? You know, it's just maybe a mass of rock. And you know, we, I think whether we were lucky or, or whatever you know we were able to find a route to go up it but you could so easily yeah. get stuck and you know if you lose half an hour you're push you, you know, the wrong way yeah 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 so wrecking the, the more difficult bits probably really mm. critical is there any information out there that sort of identifies what those critical bits are or is there much information out there on that race? oh yeah 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 i mean it's 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 great there if you go onto the website you know people from Keswick will come out and help you if you need to get people who know the route to run with you you know you can put a message out there and you probably get one or two people to come out and run a leg with you to help you out on bits that maybe aren't so familiar mm. but on it as well you know you can you can carry a GPS with the summits yeah. marked in it so if you're okay. not sure if the, the fog comes down you can switch on your GPS and you know, some really good GPS's out there now that will last yeah yeah um, how did you feel when you finished that race like in that time because that, that, that's a real great feather in your cap, isn't it? To have, like, you know, everybody would love to be able to do, do the Bob, Ra Bob Graham um, round. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were, we were tired. There's a wee pub right beside Moot Hall, so we then had a beer and then just got into the car and slept. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really tiring, but yeah. So they start one at home as well now, around the Mourns, the Dennis Ranklin. Yes. Uh -huh. um, You've done that one as well, didn't you? Were you yeah. the first? We were yeah, to yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, complete yeah. that. Greg and I did that together. Yep, yep. That must so have been brilliant as well. It, it was, you know, at the time the guys were, were talking about coming up and doing the more than five hundred, and I kind of just thought, more fact, this Barf have just announced this thing. Hold on here a second, you know, let's let's have a crack at this because I was going to help them <laughs> do the more than five hundred, and and then kind of thought, well, why not? Because <laughs> it says <laughs> there's thirty nine peaks. Yes, it is ninety kilometers. It's yeah, gosh, what's that? And it's it's fifty six miles, is it? Yeah, I, so I need to look up the website again. Eighty kilometers, eighty kilometers is yeah. like obviously it's like fifty miles. So mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. so it's ninety kilometers. Um, yeah, yeah. And you have to do that within twenty four hours. But you've done it in twenty hours. Like that was. Yeah, well, again, that was <laughs> again the some guys who have, who have rattled around that. Uh, your man R Rawlings like has set a phenomenal time on it. Yeah. I think he's Jasmine Paris's husband. Is that right? So, I mean, both of them together are phenomenal athletes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I suppose the other one that's actually really good if anybody's thinking of doing a round is, is the Wicklow round. Uh, it's another tough one. A lot of people, a lot of people who try it don't succeed. 
Uh, you know, it's not as hard as the Bob Graham round, but probably the weather is more critical. There's a lot of peat bogs and it can get very damp. Uh, so you need to leave it late enough in the year that the, the peat isn't so soft. And yet if you leave it too long, the ferns on undergrowth grow quite high. So you can't leave it too, so there's a kind of sweet spot for you within a few weeks where it's a good one to... What sort of distance is that? Oh, Testing you today. <laughs> Gosh, I have, I have. It's your fault for doing no so idea. many rounds <laughs> and so many races, you know. But, but you've done quite a lot of ultra races as well, haven't you? Like you've done—is um, it the Highway Highland Way over Highland in Scotland? Fling, yeah, Highland yeah, Fling. Yeah, that's right. You done really well on that as well, didn't you? Did you? Well, I've done that a few times. I. It's a tough race, like. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a beautiful race. You know, it. it have you done? No, anything? I haven't. Oh, I know somebody well, done worth, it. Yeah. It's well. It's it runs up uh, the first part of the. You didn't win your age group in that, did you? I did last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a real man on form. Like, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, Billy, what age are you? Now? Fifty-three. You're fifty-three, like. Yeah. And have you always been running? I took a photograph of you actually in the Christmas Cragger, and I seen I somebody that. put a photograph alongside it because you were running with your brother at the time. That's right. That's right. And somebody put a photograph of you and your brother next to this one, and I don't know how long ago the photograph was with your brother. Um, so is this something you've always done? Have you always ran? You, you... Uh, yeah, as well. Funny, I was having a chat with Sam Crawford in the club about about a uh, Belfast Marathon, uh, and, and just w w the first one that we'd, we'd done. And I think whenever I was in school, it was 18, and my brother was in university at that stage, and the Belfast Marathon had started, I think, in 1982. So I was 18, 1984, and I thought, you know, my brother was doing it for the first time. You know, I'm not missing out on this. So, Brilliant. and then I've always run. So that was my first mm -hmm. Belfast marathon. And then, the following year after that, uh, my brother, and myself, and my dad all did the wow. marathon, and we crossed the line uh, at the same time. It was a great photograph at home, which is you know, it's brilliant to have of dad, and my brother, and myself all crossing. I think we were about three forty-seven. You know, that's unbelievable. Isn't so it was just like lovely to you know. It's amazing that running can give you that type of moment, like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many marathons have you done, do you know? You know, I haven't really done very many road marathons. Yeah, I did yeah. a few back then. I, and the last one I did was 2015 London. I, a couple kind of recent, but I haven't done very many road and marathons. And how do you find trails. the likes of running through London Marathon compared to like, running an ultra on the hills? Because you, you, you've got... You, you've got um, orienteering is a big part of your passion, I suppose, uh, yeah, and, and in yeah. the mountains as well. Like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you've done a lot of orienteering races as well. Like, yeah. so, you, like the Mon Way, not the Mon Way, sorry, the Mon Two Day. Because uh -huh, uh -huh. um, you've done well in it as well, actually. Do you win your eight year age group in that? Uh, well, one year we kind of had a joint win. Uh, but <laughs> You'll take it. <laughs> but yeah. But is that what? You, what would you prefer, or do you like both sort of aspects? Do you like dipping in the night, or? I like a variety. Actually, I like a mm. kind of a variety of stuff going on. To be honest, I don't really do an awful lot of road running. I enjoy just getting out in the mountains or trails mm. for a run. Actually, one of my favourite things, which is very similar to the morning today, is a thing called. Rogaine, have you ever heard of no. Rogaining? Uh, so it's very, very similar to the morning two day, same concept, except you don't camp overnight. 
So you get 24 hours, they start you at midday and you finish at midday the next day and they give you a set of control descriptions, same as the morning two day, and you draw them all out on your map. So you have to do this collection of controls in, in this is it's held in Wicklow every year in a slightly different area of the Wicklow Mountains. Uh, and you basically just go out and see how many you can collect uh, over that period of time. Some of them are the further ones away are worth a few more points than the, than the closer ones. But uh, you know, people go out of all sorts of abilities. Some will run all night. Some will run until it gets dark and go and sleep for a while out somewhere under a hedge or whatever and get up again and run on another bit and have another rest and just see what they can do. Other people come back to the start you know, overnight and, and sleep in a tent and then get up again the following morning and go out again. Uh, so that's actually one of my favourite favorite okay. events it's a it's a really do you like the event. adventure of that do you like the unknown of what actually is ahead of you yeah yeah exactly so you know you you go out and you have this idea that you're going to be able to collect you're going to be able to cover this sort of terrain this sort of ground and then you realize you're not and you have to completely change your plan which can be really awkward because you've got a nice wee route and all of a sudden you have to jump several k to get back into another kind of area to collect controls as such I, so so yeah, I kind of like you know all the uncertainty Brilliant. and bad weather and. You, you've done so many races. Is there one out there that you would like to pick, or what's next for Billy? Hey, well, I'm doing the Highland Fling again in a few weeks' time. Oh, so <laughs> that's because it's 53 it's miles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a t- it's another tough race. But is there one out there then that you have never done that you would like to do? Hey. We'll have to go back to the Lavaredo. I pulled out of it half halfway last year, much to the amusement of many people. <laughs> what happened in so, that? I, I don't know. I just got halfway and was in bits. It was and one I of those days. Just, I don't know what what it was. So, so it's kind of un- so that, that's an itch unfinished that needs to be scratched. Business, but there's so many good races yeah. out there nowadays. You know, if you're into kind of those long ultra races all over all over the place, you know, they seem to be. Pu- it seems to be that they've always been there, a lot of them, but they just seem to be popping up everywhere. And I think there's more and more people. Yeah. And you get more exposure to these races. Yeah. Whereas before, we used to be tight knit sort of in our local races and our local adventures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose social media is doing that as well. Yeah, yeah. You see through Facebook, there's so many people popping up uh-huh, everywhere. Uh-huh. And it's nice, and what you're doing heading off to the CCC, for instance, you know, yeah. I mean, that whole week is just superb. It's amazing. Per- that, that, the atmosphere with all the races going on is just amazing. It's a superb place to be. What, what do you think, just to finish off then, really, I suppose, what do you think that's inside you that makes you want to push through pain? What is it that, because there's so many people today that don't even realize that they're in their comfort zone. And Mm. the world that we live in today is very much designed around, we're getting more so like America and it's becoming more comfortable all the time. Um, What do you think is inside people like yourself that makes them want to go through that level of pain because it is pain at times gosh that's a good question <laughs> I, I, you know it's it's, it, it's I suppose it's kind of a sense of achievement doing something that you're not sure you can do and, and kind of getting it done eventually even if it takes mm. you a couple of times to do it and the sense of achievement you get afterwards like I've finished so many races and you thought God, I'm never doing that again I almost hated that and you know, two weeks later, you're thinking, Do you know, that was good crack. And within a few weeks, you're going, I'm doing that again next year. You know, and you kind of, 
somehow all the bad bits go away and you, you kind of remember, you know, the feeling good after it and you kind of go back for that again. <laughs> Really, that's brilliant. We'll wrap it up with that. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. No problems, Robbie.